we hear from our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Just as from the heavens the rain and snow come down and do not return, they till until they were watered the earth, making it fertile and fruitful. And then he continues in comparing the rain and snow to God's word. God's word has, can be fruitful and faithful. So we find today that the word has power. It recalls us and brings us back to Genesis when it's through the words of God that chaos is brought into order. Light was brought into darkness. The world was brought about from his word. So we have to begin to ask ourselves today, is what is the word of God doing for us in our life? We hear Jesus explain it to us very carefully and intricately in the parable of the seed sown. We hear that the seed is laid out, that it falls on a path, and there's different ways for that seed to grow. If it fell on a path and a bird came and ate it, the seed is no more. If the seed was sown on rocky ground, the sun killed it. If it was grown in a thorn bush, the thorn grew and choked it. But yet there was others that bear fruit which multiplied a hundred times, sixty times, and thirty times over. So why are there so many ways in which the word has power? If we understand that word has power, then why isn't the result the same? If we understand and know two plus two equals four, every time we do two plus two, we know the result is four. If, God were, if God's word has power, then shouldn't the result bear the same at every time? Shouldn't the word that has power multiply over 160, 30 fold? What differs in this story is the fact that we are the path. Our lives are varying paths. We can be the path in which the bird comes and eats the seed. We can be the rocky ground that the sun kills it. We can be the thorn that is growing and chokes the seed. Or we can bear fruit. But what differs? How can a thorn choke a seed and yet also bear fruit? In the word of God, the difference is our choice. Do we choose to allow God's word to penetrate into our hearts? That is what differs between all the different categories Jesus uses in his parable. Even though God has power and his word has power, he's not going to stand in front of you and force you to listen to him. He's not going to force his word on you. He's not going to force his way into his, your life with his word. But what he's going to do is stand and wait until you choose to respond and accept the way you respond to his word. Because if we really understand his word, we know that our result will multiply. Our lives will be better. Our lives will be glorious. St. Irenaeus writes, God, the glory of God is man fully alive. 
So we know the two at the beginning of the equation. We know it equals four, which is the glory of God in this man fully alive. Now the question becomes for us, who here wants to be fully alive? That's the million-dollar question that we have to figure out for ourselves. Because if we want to be fully alive, there's something we have to do with that word. That word is not something that just gets spewed out of the mouth of God. But it has to be taken in. It has to be absorbed. And then it has to be lived out in our life. If I tell you I'm happy and I'm looking like this the whole time, what does my word say? What does my facial expression say? Am I truly happy? But if I stand around and am goofing off with the little ones, smiling, giving them high fives, is that not happiness? Because what I'm saying has penetrated not just my mouth, but it is something that I've lived out, something that has changed me, and has something that comes from within. Because if that joy, that excitement, it's not something that is superficial. It's not something that you can just make up and make it, fake it till you make it. It's not that. But it has to come from within. So if we truly want to be glorious, that four at the end of the equation, we have to put steps in our lives and take radical steps to make sure that our equation equals out so that the two plus two is actually four and the two plus two is not five. But so what do we have to do? That word, the power of the word has to live within us. It has to be a part of our life, and it has to be transformed by that. He scatters the seed, but it has to take root within our lives. It has to be, it has to be nourished. It has to be cared for. So for those who are gardeners, you know, if you take a seed, you can't just put it into the dirt and call it a day. Especially in the dirt here in Texas, you have to put fertilizer, you have to put nutrition into the ground for that seed to grow. What is the fertilizer? What is the things that help nurture and grow that little seed? It's the sacramental life. It's the constantly getting to know God, being nourished by the Eucharist, going out and attempting to live our lives and taking what we discuss here in this hour, take what we've celebrated here in this hour and live that out besides and outside of the doors of this church. The problem is we don't take what nourishes us here to continue out into our daily life. The greatest part is as soon as you guys leave here and enter the parking lot, people are honking and yelling at each other in the parking lot already. We speak about love here, but as soon as you get to the parking lot, there seems to be no love whatsoever. But that's just a simple illustration of how we're failing to live out that relationship. How we're failing to keep the seed of faith of the Word of God nourished within our lives. So then how can that seed of faith grow? If it's only growing within the hour we have here, we've lost sight of it. So that when our lives begin to lead in chaos, when that seed is grown in very shallow ground and the sun scorches it, it dies. 
So when our faith is therefore challenged by a traumatic event and experience of our life, what do we do? Just like everyone else in the world, they leave the faith. Christ doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. Because the root of our seed is so shallow that there's nothing to hold on to. But let me ask you this, my dear brothers and sisters. Who are the most happiest people we see in this world? Who are the happiest people you've seen in this world? St. Francis of Assisi, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Augustine, St. Augustine, St. Monica, St. John Paul II. What is so radically different about them and us? For them, the Word of God has so much power in their life that their life is radically changed forever. St. Francis of Assisi had all the riches of the world that he could inherit from his family, but instead allowed the power of the Word of God to penetrate in his life and to leave everything behind and go serve the poor. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, going out to the poorest of the poor in India, living out in this horrible 105 weather, every day working and serving the poor. I don't know about you, but walking around in this weather is miserable. I can't, I can't imagine working in this 105 degree weather. I told one of my teachers when I was at St. Elizabeth, she was making a comment with me, oh, Mother Teresa's great and she's working with the poor in this great poverty. And I jokingly told her, I was like, yeah, you know, it's great because she gets to work in you know, this nice kind of cool climate in the fall and we're, we're sitting here at 105 degree weather, miserable. And so we, we don't get to see the, we see the challenges that come about from it. John Paul II, he lived his life full of adversity during communist Poland, knowing that his call was meant to be a priest, but there was no seminary open except for those seminaries that were run by the bishops in secret. But he still continued to live his life of faith, continued to vibrantly continue his seminary studies in secret, but still living a normal life with all those workers. But why are their lives so much different? Why are they so much happier? Because the Word of God, the power that that Word has, has transformed and changed their life forever. So my dear brothers and sisters, we've just heard from the Word of God. The question for us to take home with us today is what are we going to do with that Word? How are we going to begin to nourish the seed of that Word? We can't change and we won't be perfect today. We may be the rocky soil. We may be that plain soil that is not deep enough for that seed to bear fruit. But the question becomes, what are we doing actively to fix that? How are we working to deepen our soil? How are we working to nourish the soil and make it healthy so that that seed can grow? If there's nothing there, what are we doing to cultivate a better soil so that we have soil to plant the seed in? 
But it doesn't begin tomorrow, my dear brothers and sisters. It begins today. So let's take some time as we enter the celebration, the sacrament of love, to find where we can begin now in cultivating that seed. So that when we come up to receive the word, the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us, the word that gave up his body, blood, soul, and divinity so that we can have life, that we will receive and begin to cultivate when we come up to receive communion, how are we going to keep that soil fruitful as soon as we leave the church today? Amen.